0: So, hello and welcome to episode 14 of this outcast with myself, Glenn Price, and Ollie Warner, who is up north this week, Ollie, aren't you?
1: Hi, uh, yeah, I'm up, up in Northumberland. How are you, Glenn? You alright?
0: Yeah, I'm okay. I'm up north as well, obviously. I'm, I'm in Kendall, so uh, it's been a bit of a tricky record already, this one, hasn't it, with us both being away. But we wanted to come back because, obviously, we've had two games and, obviously, it's been a very big news day because uh, we have a new manager. So we've got plenty to talk about on this one again, Ollie, haven't we?
1: We certainly have got plenty to talk about and um, yeah, the club club have um, fired a few things in as well as I was driving um, back to the, the cottage we're renting. Um, I heard the chairman's been making some comments. So yeah, there's, um, there's certainly plenty for us to discuss. Yeah,
0: as always with be Town. But it, I think it's—I mean before we go into it, it's just nice to have had that manager situation resolved. And uh, I think after the last few weeks, everyone just needed that lift. We were talking about it last week, weren't we? So it, it definitely gives us that lift. So uh, I think we're going to, rather than just go into the games that were uh, the last two on Danny Coin, we're actually going to talk about the new manager now and sort of have a chat around what we know about him and what we might, our hopes and fears might be. So um, yeah, we'll move into the next section and have a talk about our new manager.
1: How's your nerve, Andy Bishop?
0: Has to score to keep... Ben in the tie here. Bishop steps up an absolute hero. Of going to Wembley
1: once again. Okay, so Shrewsbury um, have a new manager. Finally after um, several days and weeks of waiting, um, Shrewsbury Town have announced that um, Paul Hurst is the new manager of Shrewsbury Town. Um, so those who don't know um, about Paul Paul um, was the manager of Grimsby. Um, before then, he uh, managed a couple of um, non-league clubs. Actually, he's a joint manager, which is quite interesting, um, mm. Ilkeston Town and Boston, um, yeah. and then Grimsby. Um, but I think probably just to summarise his history, so he's got a pretty decent win percentage, um, and also he's had um, successive promotions as well with different clubs. Um, he comes in um, as a young manager. Um, he played most most his whole career um, at Rotherham, played a couple of games at Burton on loan, um, and yeah, he has his UA for eight badges and stuff like that. So yeah, I think I think he, from a, you know, bringing in a new manager who's young, hungry, and has got the right kind of background, for me, overall, I think he's um, a pretty decent appointment.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting isn't it, obviously that um, we've obviously went through all the types of managers we might or might not have got in the last few weeks from experienced managers to managers with even less experience than Paul Hurst, so I think we've sort of fallen um, somewhere in between the two haven't we and got a manager that's sort of the level that we might have expected but also gives us a bit of encouragement about what he could do at the football club and how he could take us forward so I know you, you can't be too disappointed with it, I mean he's certainly got the balls to be taking this job on at the moment hasn't he Ali, with everything that's been going on on the pitch so he's obviously confident in his ability to turn around a team that's Massively misfiring, so yeah, you've got to give him credit for that as well. Um, I went through, and obviously, like all Shrewsbury Town players and and, sorry, all Shrewsbury Town fans had a look at um, his history. Like you said, he's obviously had a a kind of up and down time with Grimsby over the last few years, hasn't he? A lot of near misses with sort of playoff defeats, and he I think he lost in the final of the um, non league trophy as well, didn't he, to Rexham, if I remember rightly. So he certainly experienced the big games in in Grimsby's terms. and obviously, he now wants to sort of bring that to to Shrewsbury and see if he can maybe take us to a playoff final or something like that, which would be which would be a good start, wouldn't it? Obviously, not this season, probably, but you know, looking towards next season, hopefully, it's not a League Two playoff game. But <laughs> yeah, it'd be it'd be good to see if he can continue that form of getting his teams to sort of the fringes of success. And obviously, he did get that success at Grimby as well in the end.
1: He's um, obviously yeah, he's obviously got a bit of pedigree, and obviously he's learned. He's gone through both sides, kind of winning and losing. Um, do you think... Are you pleased with the appointment, Glenn, overall?
0: Yeah, I think I... Well, did you come across Then I think I am, actually. I mean, you can't... Um, you know, we, we obviously name managers We would have wanted to get the job who were different to Paul Hurst. And let's be honest, the last two weeks we've talked about this in the podcast, neither me or you even mentioned Paul Hurst, did we? He obviously came into no. the frame... Towards the end of last week, so it's not someone we we're obviously expecting and had done that much research into at the point in time. But the more I read about him, the more encouraged I am. Encourage and obviously, we've obviously had an interview um, with him today, which was quite interesting. And I know you've not had a chance to um, have a look at it yet, Ollie, but he said some very interesting things. You know, he said, he was attracted to the ground, which is what all new managers say when they come to us, don't they? Because we've got a lovely ground. Um, yep. but Yeah. He, was, he remembers coming here when we played them in the cup, um, and also the, the prospect of League One football is what's brought him here. Um, he hopes that there's more potential to move forward. I noted, I, I noted the word hopes. <laughs> it Didn't sound overly confident there, but I suppose he's got such a hard job. You don't want to sort of you know give those expectations too good at the start um, he thinks the ground's very nice and, and met a lot of friendly staff today he wants to build some relationships didn't talk about whether he was going to move to the town but um, it is interesting with his history that he's only really worked in the East Midlands or sort of you know East Anglia area hasn't he with Boston and Ilkeston and all those sort of teams in that area and obviously Grimsby's over that way as well so it's obviously going to be quite a move for him to come over to Shrewsbury isn't it and that can sometimes unsettle a manager can't it
1: yeah, I think obviously, um, I guess he's come, he's moving for the opportunity. Um, in kind of context to the other managers, I think while I did say, you know, I would like Kenny and Jack here, I think, you know, in the cold light mm. of day, being realistic, were we going to pay his wages? Um, were probably we going to no. be able to um, give him the money that maybe he would want? Um, but I think this is probably the better choice, you know, go for someone who's hungry, got potential um, and... Why are this not to put Shrewsbury down? But wouldn't it be great to say, you know, to have a manager that goes on and does something great? So yeah, yeah that's kind of my that's my kind of my view on this. But uh, you yeah. said that um, you um, you watched the interview. So what can you kind of share? Like what else was there anything else? as a uh, what's what's yeah, the kind so of highlight w- for you?
0: Yeah, I was just going through some of those then. Then so that was obviously some of the bits of his interview that he'd said. But he he went on to say that um, he hadn't really spent that much time looking at the squad yet. Um, yeah, and he'd obviously viewed the game from the weekend. So. <laughs> having watched that game at the weekend against Northampton, I'm surprised he did sign for us. But um, yeah, he's obviously looked at this and that. But it, it was all more, more a case of saying his, his first aim is to stay in the league, which is obviously uh, quite an encouraging thing to hear, that his, his aim this season is to keep us up. Obviously, he wouldn't come into a football club and say anything different, but it was very much the stated aim to keep us up. Um, and there wasn't too much chat about the future. You know, obviously, we've got a massive task ahead of us to even think about being solid in League League 1, haven't we? So, um it's obviously a job he's been brought in to do and, and unfortunately for him in some respects he might have more long term plans, so he's definitely gonna be judged on that in the first instance. So be interesting to see how that goes. Um he also said time will tell if the players he inherits are good enough, which I which I was quite impressed with actually. You know, he wasn't just coming in and saying, I know I've got League One ready players and all the sort of soundbites we might have heard off Melon. He was saying quite it was quite interesting in the interview. He was obviously gonna be quite I don't know if this is a fair thing to say, I think you might be the sort of player that doesn't take rubbish off any of the players and particularly having viewed the video and probably knowing about what's been going on he's not going to accept that sort of thing and then he went on to say about how he wants the fans to get back behind the players and he wants the fans to do that on the understanding that if they don't perform he'll be the one to sort the players out so I think that's you know positive for us to hear that someone's going to come in and maybe Maybe going to shake them up a bit, because they certainly need it, don't they? Um, also talks about recruitment being key. Um, we don't know about what's going to be going on. Obviously, we lost the recruitment analyst in the week, didn't we? He went to Tranmere with Mickey Mellon. So yeah, he did, yeah. We don't have anyone in that role at the moment, so he's possibly going to be bringing his own man in there. Or maybe not. Maybe he runs it in a different way, but we'll, we'll find out, won't we? Um, yeah. And in terms of his style of play, Ollie, which you'll probably be more interested in, his, his words are used where he wants to play forward-thinking football with a good tempo. So... Opposite of Mickey Mellon. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> but then Mickey Mellon said he did try to play that kind of football as well.
0: Yeah, but but also to be fair to Paul Hurst, because you can come in and say all these sort of things, he had to cover it off and he said, you know, his his ideal way of playing might have to take a back seat for the moment because of the situation we're in and, you yeah. know, because of the players inherit. So again, that's fair enough. But yeah, message for the fans was get behind the players and, and pull together and, and let's try and get out of this. So my my, under, my undertones of it was very considered, Um he he put the players on a warning, which was great. I think um, talked about hard work being very important. So um, obviously, i go going to talk about Louis Dodds and his lack of hard work later on. But um, he might be on a on a, sh- a shoo-in. Um, and the last thing he talked about, which I thought was quite interesting, it was it maybe it got a bit mi- mixed in the fact it was his first interview. But he talked about social media a little bit. Then it was unclear oh, whether he was talking about fans and what they put on social media, or he was talking about the fact fans are always going to do that. But he doesn't want the players getting involved in it. So there was a, there was a sort of tant sort of discussion about how we might you know restrict some of the players on social media so yeah That's interesting. i wouldn't but,
1: say any of our players at the moment are really on social media at the moment
0: no we've, we've gone past the days of john, john taylor and um, Marvin Morgan, haven't we? Where all they did yeah. was <laughs> stay on uh, social media and Twitter, for, for example. So, but obviously he's got a a viewpoint on that, and maybe it's something that he's had to deal with at Grimsby or one of his other clubs in the past. Or so. maybe
1: something that the um, the powers at B have spoken <laughs> to him about, or something.
0: Well, yeah, we'll come to that later on. But um, yeah, so who who knows? All in all, I was I was quite impressed as first interviews go, and and you know, let's let's try and get away from the negativity ourselves on on, on everything. Let's try and look to the future. Obviously, we're going to have to cover some of the bad stuff that's gone on in the last week or so, but. um, yeah, let's let's get behind him really and hope hope for the best. What, what, what you know, you've kind of said you're happy with it, aren't you? I, I, the other thing I noticed, Ollie, which was quite interesting. Well, the first thing was he's younger. He's he's older than us, so that's okay. After my worries about getting a younger manager, he's like in his, he's forty two, I think, so that's all right. But the other thing was yeah, yeah. he's actually got a degree from Staffordshire University in, um professional sports writing and journalism so that'll make uh, the interview process and and post-match and pre-match with all the local press uh, (laughs) quite interesting won't it because he he'll obviously know more maybe more know more about that sort of thing than they do in some respects because he'll probably done a million post-match interviews already so it's quite interesting that he's going to have that that kind of yeah that knowledge of journalism as well which you might not get normally with managers so that'll be interesting to see how the post-match interviews go
1: Yeah, it will be interesting and I guess it also hopefully will mean he's less likely to uh um, drop drop a make a mistake or say something he necessarily didn't mean to, though though yeah. I have heard of let's let's be positive, I've heard of a few negative things about Grimms from Grimsey fans on the internet and stuff moaning about him, but um, I think you could probably find that about virtually every manager. Probably there's probably some um, Shooter Town fans who were complaining about Mickey Mellon when we were in League Two. Yeah, um, definitely. so there's always going to be some negative comments. But no, I think he's a, a good one. Um, he seems well educated. He's obviously got the right badges. He's played at this level. Hopefully, he should have the right contacts in the in the league. And um, yeah, and I think kind of what you, um, you were saying is let's get behind him. I think that's the most important thing now. So I know there was quite a few. We'll go on to what happened on the weekend. But I think the most important thing really is now is that as a a bunch of fans, um, we get behind the manager, get behind the players, um, and let's get ourselves out of this quagmire.
0: Mm, Definitely. I mean, we're not going to get out of trouble Continuing the negativity, and this is coming from me, someone who everyone a lot of people do often criticize for being too negative. and I I don't want to be going to the match every week being negative, but f- for me, it's going to be difficult if the, you know you've got to give him it's like the start of the season, you've got to give him 10 games to see what he can do in the same way that we gave Mickey Mellon 10 games at the start of the season and, and see things. But even then, you know, we know these players now, we're starting to remember, we're starting to see you know the veil has fallen with some of these players that are not league 1 ready and we're starting to understand that maybe these are the sort of players that he might be wanting to move on even if they joined in the summer then they might not be necessarily be good enough so it's it's going to be hard to not it's going to be hard not to be critical of some of the players because of what i've seen in the last two weeks but you've got to just try and put that to the back in mind and really just focus on the fact that this is a fresh start and I, I, none of us want to get relegated none of us do. Well, I we guess, need to really yeah
1: yeah well i guess i guess for i guess that's the kind of the what we wanted with a new manager wasn't it? it was a fresh slate clean yeah. um clean 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 the, um, everything out um, obviously all the play- fans should get behind the manager now um the players are going to be tested and um, we have a different voice and um, maybe different tactics different setups different training mm. um so yeah and and this is their opportunity now you know if they want to i'm sure they've heard that some people are questioning whether they're good enough this is their opportunity now to go out there and show um all the fans and everyone, because it's not just about you know. Look at some of the players. Look at um, Granderson. Where's Granderson now? You know, yeah, no can we go f- You can go from playing in League One to nothing. You know, yep. like he's he's not a professional footballer at the moment. So you know, these guys know that they know that how close it is. Sometimes you know, if they don't do well in this contract, and choose we let them go, who's going to take them next? So yeah, it's a, it's going to be a big a big couple of months going into Christmas now for um, the players and the club.
0: Yeah, and and you know. It, it, it is the players isn't it as much as we've just talked about the fans what we need to do that's infinitely small compared to what the players need to do because this is their yep. job you know, and and they are not performing the job to the standards required. So it was it was interesting actually. I'll come on to um, Roland Ritchie later, but he actually pretty much said the same thing. He said that there are players at this football club who are not performing to the levels you know that, that we expected. So obviously that message is starting to filter down from the chairman, and it's coming from the fans on the side of the pitch. So they are going to be under pressure. Our players, regardless of whether it's a new manager or not, if if someone chucks in a stinker, it's going to start to be there the focus because <laughs> that's the way. It yeah. Because the manager, because so.
1: yeah, the full guy is gone, and he, Mickey Mellon's yep. gone, and now it's, they're the only ones that are left now. So yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, so it'll it'll be interesting so yeah the new man in um you know let's let's hope he gets off to win a start on Saturday and uh, and and we'll go from there I suppose so um the only other things I was going to briefly talk about in terms of everything that's gone on is he's we obviously know who our new assistant managers as well isn't it you you can pronounce his name a bit better than me Ollie, so I'll let you have a go at that
1: yeah i, th- I think i think you pronounce it craig doing but um i'm not <laughs> Do- sure. th- i'm just Dong. guessing there yeah doing well, it's a scottish name isn't it i saw it, i'm up, <laughs> up, 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 i'm up near scotland and i saw a, a. I think that's how you pronounce it but anyway i'm probably completely wrong and i'm sure someone will correct us but um that was my <laughs> attempt
0: <laughs> yeah no good effort to be fair so yeah he's um i think he's a scottish he's a scottish player isn't he and he's He's got quite a bit of experience, but he's been sort of Paul Hurst's right-hand man now for I think it's three or four seasons, something like that. Um, So they've obviously got quite a good working relationship together. And I think that um, another thing we ought to talk about about Paul Hurst is looking towards January is, and I briefly mentioned it, is recruitment. And he seems to have had quite a good record at Grimsby about bringing in sort of unknown players and and sort of bringing them on and and doing a reasonable job with them. And obviously, I think some people don't know about that Omar Bogle that plays for them at Grimsby. If he can go back and steal him and bring him into the Football League, oh well, he's in the Football League now, but. um, if you can maybe go and bring him up a level, that might be quite a good one. But I'm sure he's got lots of players. Maybe at Grimsby that he trusts. You know, Mickey Mellon did it with all the players he used to manage at Barnsley and that sort of thing. So we might we might find by dipping into the teams that um, that Paul's managed and and the sort of players he's worked with, we might already be able to identify a couple of players that we might already see in January come the transfer window.
1: Yeah, and there'll probably and also you know um, as you used to hear from other managers of the past that you know they also know the players. There's probably players that he would have loved to have find for Grimsby, couldn't, but now he thinks yeah, he could get them for Shrewsbury. So, but um, no, it's going to be it's going to yeah, it's going to be an exciting um, exciting few months ahead.
0: Mm, and then obviously the last thing on this is obviously Danny Coyne. He's going to go down as the worst Shrewsbury Town manager of all time. Four games, four losses. It's a bit harsh, but um, it is fair consider considering yeah. what he's left with. But uh, you know, I do hope to say have a word for him. You know. In that situation he, he he put his, you know, credibility and his, his reputation on the line and tried to take on an absolute stinker of a job and did his best, fell short, you know. I I I I can't say that he was some you know, he he, he stood up to be counted, didn't he? Let's just say it like that. I don't yeah. think that he he is a League One manager and, yeah, and maybe, he handled you know,
1: himself well, didn't he, with the He uh... did.
0: Yeah. He certainly did. So hopefully we retain his service as a goalkeeper coach. Um one thing I have noticed is that um Tranmere have already got a goalkeeper coach, so he's obviously Not going to be going to Tranmere, so um, I'm joining Mickey Mellon and Mike Jackson and the others that have moved over there. So I hope he stays around and, and, you know, fair play to him. We'll just pass on the the thanks of the fans, I suppose, on behalf of the podcast, if he ever listens or anyone from the club listens, to say, fair enough, hard job. You had a go. You you tried your best and... um, you know that's appreciated, I suppose, at this stage of the game. Yeah. Cool. All right. Anything okay. else you want to say about changes and managers, Ollie? Because no, I
1: think <laughs> nothing, yeah, I think we covered it well. I it'd be nice if anyone <laughs> shares their opinion on um, Twitters and send us message through. But um, yeah, no, I think yeah, let's discuss the games. I, I I couldn't go to either games because of work and also then travelling um, for this half term. So yeah, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on the last few games, Glenn.
0: Yeah, I, I say just before we move on to the games, I would say that you know what we've reflected there I think maybe is the, the view of the general fan base from the sort of instant reaction you get on social media that people are not too disappointed. I haven't seen too many people losing their absolute marbles over Paul Hurst being our new manager, so that's got to be seen as a good sign, hasn't it? So yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, move has- on now to some more negative stuff, which is covering the last two home games where we basically just threw six points away. So um, just for, for everyone to make sure we keep on top of these games, we'll, we'll move on to that now.
1: Good turn by Ryan Woods chance to get the ball across as well. It's into the centre and headed in from close range by Tom Bradshaw. And
0: just two minutes gone, Shrewsbury have taken the lead. OK, so since we were last with the podcast, we've had two home games, um, both of them under Danny Coyne's... Uh, Managership um, Unfortunately both of them were losses And as anyone that was there will tell you There were some pretty <laughs> pretty low moments In the uh, sort of life of a Shrewsbury Town fan But um, yeah we'll, we'll talk about that in a little while But uh, first game we had obviously Was last Tuesday night Versus Sheffield United Now obviously going into this one Ollie, I think our initial thoughts And I don't know what you thought about it Was this is obviously going to be A massively tough game And that we would have been struggling To get anything out of it So were wasn't really surprised surprise we lost in the, in the first instance was it?
1: Yeah I was um, listening to this one Um on the radio uh, on Shrew's player and I was yeah just waiting waiting us to concede and obviously it didn't happen straight away but um, it's not too surprising obviously Sheffield United have been a bit of a sleeping giant in this league last few years and um, I had a a friend of mine when I was at Cadbury's who was um, from Sheffield an older guy and he was Basically, just like so distraught. You know, every year he was like, Oh, yeah, I think we're going to do well this year. And then I'd see him like, you know, November, December time and he'd be like, Yeah, ain't happening again. <laughs> no. And it sounds like they've finally got a manager and a team that is kind of going in the right direction.
0: Yeah, they look they look good to be fair. I mean, it, you know, we've lost to teams who we think we've thought recently. I think you said it at Walsall, didn't you, about how they didn't look that good, but we still lost them. Whereas Sheffield United looked good the whole game, to be honest with you. Other than, you know, we're going into the game now. We we started reasonably well for once, actually, and um, yeah. obviously we did concede uh, the first goal as usual. But for the first fifteen minutes, we we battled and competed quite well. Um, we had to rely on Luke Wilder to make one really good save, and obviously we got two bookings within the first fifteen minutes, which is pretty much yeah. standard for Town at the moment.
1: Yeah, I uh, thought that was pretty frustrating. Um, I did, yeah. I was I saw that, and I was just like, but it sounded like a little bit like the referee was kind of a bit of an re- overreaction. Um, f- um, yeah. Shropshire radio were making out that oh, this guy's obviously looked at the obviously spoken to his mate or looked at the, um, the disciplinary table and kind of just gone, okay, I'm going to try and control this this, mm. this 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 dirty team, which we're, we're not dirty, we're just a bit foolish, but.
0: That's exactly what we said last week, Ollie, and I think it proved itself to be right. Although, to be fair, I think the ref was one of those sort of refs that liked to be the centre of attention, Ollie. You know, the ones that sort uh, of... Yeah. yeah. it was a little bit like that, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, he made some mistakes, but he was making mistakes for both sets of fans because there was one point during the first half where both sets of fans were chanting, you don't know what you're doing, which is never a I good sign hear for a referee. Yeah, yeah, I heard that on the radios. Yeah, so, so that was it. But to be fair to um, Riley and Deegan, they were both fairly booked. There was there was no it wasn't unfair or harsh they were, they were both pretty bad tackles to be fair um, the only one that was unfair was Tony got booked in the first half as well took us up to three bookings that was an unfair booking I don't it, there wasn't much in that one so um, Tony continues his record of getting loads of yellow cards and diving around but I'm not I'm not going to mention that this week it's one of my bugbears anyway um, so yeah they started started reasonable town and um, and then after the first fifteen minutes Sheffield United started to really dominate the game. We had one scrappy chance. I can't remember the shot now, but somehow it was going it was going towards goal, and then a go-go cleared it, which was encouraging. Well done, a go-go. Um, I think he was just trying to get a flick on on it, and he actually sort of completely cleared it out of the box. So, <laughs> bit a bit unlucky really that. Um, but that was really it, you know from from set of pieces we looked in absolute shambles again, Ollie. And I can say this about the Northampton game: any cross or any corner or any free kick into our box, it is just an absolute. Nightmare, it would just look like conceding every time, and we've got away with it in the first half a couple of times with it. Um, and it certainly helped having wearing and Lancashire playing because at least they were giving us a little bit more height at the back for those sort of crosses. And um, in the first half, they both made a couple of good headers for once, which was nice to see. But yeah, we got away with it in the first half, and then um, we had a couple of free kicks ourselves, which we look a little bit more dangerous from free kicks now with, with again with Lancashire and wearing because there's a bit more height to aim at, but we wasted those. And then there was a couple of them where Tony, who thinks he's a flipping world-beater, was trying to take Ronaldo-esque free, ticket free kicks from 35 yards out and he just he had two of them and he just, again, smashed them straight out of play. He did it at Bradford, I think he did it at Walsall as well. I don't know why we keep letting him take him. He must be brilliant in training. But yeah, we got on, basically got to half-time. Um last couple of minutes before half-time we started to play a bit better and so we wouldn't have been disappointed then, Ollie. You know, 0-0 at half-time against Sheffield United, you've got to be pretty happy with that, would not you?
1: Yeah, no, at halftime, I was surprised it was still nil-nil. Um, not yeah. overly optimistic that something could happen in the second half. Um, but then, um, by the all sound of things, it sounds like um, they had a... Uh, yeah, as to say, I imagine they had quite a, um, a deep and meaningful conversation with their manager at halftime. <laughs>
0: yeah, they had, a, they had a rocket, a rocket off the manager. They must have done, because they came out playing about three three levels better than they were before and we just looked absolutely shell shocked straight away like before they scored the goal which they didn't they didn't score i think it was wasn't long after half time they scored the first goal but just before that um uh wilder out to make a really really good save before they scored so um we we could tell they'd come out and they they just played with way more tempo and we just couldn't we couldn't go with it unfortunately um and it was pretty good the first goal they scored I don't know if you saw the highlights but that um Sharps he just absolutely took one took a touch knocked it into his sort of stride and then smashed it in absolutely brilliant finish and and criticise Lookweiler all we like, and we, I'll go on to that in the Northampton game about what I think about Lookweiler. But um, he, he couldn't stop that one; it was a great goal.
1: Yeah, I think they've got a couple of Championship players, haven't they, in their team?
0: Yes, definitely. And and that Sharps is one of them. and he, whoever he's played for over the years, he all, he always seems to score against us. Whether it was for down in League Two, I can't remember he played for them, but he always seemed to always seem to bag against us. But there we go. Um, as soon as that goal went in, obviously Oli, we just went to went to went to bed and just gave up. A bit it was pathetic. It it was. Um, very little fight in the rest of the second half, and they obviously went on to score another goal. Um, second goal was really poor. Um, Brown sort of tried to scuff out a clearance, and they just recycled it straight away with very little pressure, and Lutweiler just was cemented to his line. He, he, he could have just come out and picked it out of the air, do you know what I mean? If he was a yeah. bit more stronger and, and confident, he would, the defence wouldn't have had to worry about heading it clear, because he could have just come and got it, but he didn't. He stayed on his line, this guy got around the back and, and sort of headed it in off the underside of the bar, and, and that was that, and then that was it second goal that was back back with the boos and the negativity was back then and we went even at 2-0 we were never ever going to get back in that game um so yeah Sheffield continue to dominate Ollie and then they obviously got the last goal which was from a, a corner um and again unmarked back post all from all from a, a set piece as usual no pressure on him um and he sort of slid it in at the back post uh and then there was even more booze, and then there was even more booze on the final whistle, so we we left the game saying, me and my friend saying that it was like it was a bigger low in the sort of history of maybe the last ten years, because we'd gone bottom of the league then finally, haven't we, after, after Tuesday night um, you know, we hadn't got a manager it was taking so long, there was sort of angst among the fans um, and there was nothing about the chairman at this game, but it was just, walking home was about as bad as it really gets as a Tuesday Town fan, Ollie. if I'm honest with you, it just felt very hollow.
1: Yeah, and I guess at this point, um, on a on a on a Tuesday night, the winter coming mm-hmm. in, um, yeah, bottom of the league, and yeah, didn't look like no no snow. No kind of there was no positive on the horizon. Was there still waiting for a manager, and yeah, it was. Um, I can I I was frustrated that game, but I saw obviously on um, online there was a I saw the anger from the fans, and was it a loud mm-hmm. boo? Was it as loud as Nicky Menon's? Because obviously they're they're booing yeah, the, the players, not managing <laughs> the manager now, but obviously they're booing the players and. Probably the structure of the club, I guess.
0: It was it was a bit of everything really and, and but having said that, the amount of fans are that are leaving before the end of the game now has just got to like epidemic levels. People just when we're down two nil, one 0 whatever it is, people just got no faith we'll get back in games. And and by yeah. the final whistle, it's like a pre season crowd. And, you know, all right it might not be so loud to boo in sometime, but the the point is the problems are really reflected by the fact that everyone leaves and um, also, the fact that hardly anyone's turning up—or well, not hardly anyone—but obviously crowds are down. So
1: the crowds are down, and yeah, where we sit in um, in block seventeen, um, the, the like I sit three rows behind you or something like that. Yeah, yeah. that to the right of us is just completely utterly empty. Um, mm. It's just yeah, but I guess people are just thinking, why stay? You're <laughs> not going to score, so um, yeah. I never leave early, but. Um, Yeah, I think it's just um, it was and kind of is a a, a kind of clear picture of of where we are and clearly the um, where um, the chairman and the board sit, they can see people leaving, they can see the tendencies go down. So yeah, it's um, something that they need to try and fix
0: yeah and obviously four games under under coin hasn't really helped that situation you know another four no. losses if anything has just completely damaged it so yeah. that left us at the bottom of the table but I think you know the thing that frustrated most people when we were walking out again and I seem to be bumping into the same people at the end of the match every time at the moment and you know, we talked we, I talked to these guys a few weeks ago and they were like, Well, you know, it looks like they're still playing for the manager a little bit and you could see some fight and some spirit but the last twenty minutes against Sheffield United was that's why I said it was one of the worst, is because there was no fight and spirit and it, it almost looked like they they were just in the same position as the, the fans. They're just so peed off about there not being a manager and there being no chance of things progressing and, and it just was all encompassing around the whole stadium. So yeah. um, yeah, we didn't think it could get any worse than that on Tuesday night. And little did we know what was going to happen on the Saturday, but it comes out in a minute. I mean, I will just go through my top three players of yeah. the game, as we usually do. Um, I'll be honest with you, I gave it to people who just... probably the people that tried the, the artist or made the biggest impact. I gave it to Number one to Waring again. I just I think he does give us a focal point, like we've talked about before. He the ball does stick with him, and he tries to bring players into into the game. So he's not scoring, but he is probably the most effective of the forwards we've got. Which again, I always say is bizarre because he never played until three games ago. So I gave number one to Waring. I gave a go go. Number two, you know, despite the fact that the midfield was getting overrun at times, he was probably the, the, the sort of one that was the most impressive of the midfield players and he was trying to get up and join in attacks and, and link the play, but it, it wasn't really happening for him, unfortunately. But um gave him number two and then I gave Lutweiler number three. And, and you know, I'm going to be pretty critical about Lutweiler on this podcast in a bit, but he is making unbelievable saves in every game. He's also making a lot of mistakes, but I, it's, it's a strange, isn't it, about you know and I want to talk about this in the next game because it was more apparent the problems were a little while but yeah I gave him third in the Northampton game but only really for his saves I thought he was definitely culpable for the um for the second goal with staying on his line um and there's obviously lack of um composure when he comes out to collect the ball you know the punching and and stuff like that but we'll talk about that in a minute so yeah yeah as i said it was pretty pretty bad and we didn't think it would get any worse because we all thought by Saturday we'd have a new manager we, you know we you were surprised we weren't we haven't got a new manager in by the Northampton game weren't you
1: yeah for me um i'd say um I you know, as we said a couple of times, I'm um fairly patient, you know, I've given the benefit of the doubt to the club, take your time. You know, one on one or two games, you know, is okay to kinda of let go by and it's obviously mm. not that ideal, but yeah, I was prepared to get the for the right man for the rest of the season and obviously we're not to sign signing. hopefully we're appointed a manager for the next few years, not for the next few games. Um yeah. but for me, not having a manager even if the manager had been appointed on Saturday and he was in the stands, yeah. Danny was doing it, that would have been fine. But for me, Going into this week, I yeah, that for me was the end of my my patience. Um, yeah, very frustrating and. Yeah so I am for me this I had an interesting game experience here I was um driving north up to Northumberland and I thought I'd try um shoes player and um the north of England seems to have improved and I actually have 3G up here now um so I actually <laughs> listened to the game on the way here uh, That's northernist by the way yeah. that's very northernist <laughs> I have so nor- friends from the north who won't But like you that. know <laughs> but you know when you're driving up between Leeds and Newcastle there's kind of nothing there um, Yeah normally Yeah so and I was listening to the game and yeah, um, I mean, really interesting to get your view on this. And also when I did get here, I saw a lot of stuff kicked off. Um, but yeah, really interesting to kind of get your view on the game mm. and also to get your view on what happened off the pitch because it sounded like it was um, quite eventful.
0: Yeah, it was a very a very eventful day for all the wrong reasons, I think you could say, Ollie. That's a fair way of summing it up. Um, yeah, so we said there was no manager. So there, w- there was already a, a quite an... I have to say, going in... It's probably the first time I've gone in and sat in a stand and it been that negative. And it was, you know, the game hadn't even kicked off. I know a lot... I say, we've talked about this before, we like to give a view of the sort of area we sit, and, and through various means, and, and supporters parliament, and having played for the fans team, and all these different things I've done with the fan base over the years, I like to think that, I, I know a lot of people, and, and yeah, I'm not blowing my own trumpet, but I, I do speak to a lot of fans on a match day, and the amount of negativity from people was just, it was unreal, Ollie, and... and you know, maybe that's maybe that was something that leached onto the pitch and was partially responsible for this result. I don't think so because I think the football players are professional and it shouldn't even matter. I just think that the, the players played the game like we felt and we all just felt the same way about the fact the club was just utterly rudderless on this on Saturday. So, yeah, it was it was it was not a good start. Um, yeah, it sounds and, like it's and, got and it worse was actually worse than Tuesday.
1: Yeah, the <laughs> Warsaw game it felt like um, you know in our defending um, um, we felt like we were leaderless, leaderless and the mm. players were lacking direction. And um, yeah, it sounds like we've gone from bad to worse.
0: Yeah, so unlike the the game on the on the Tuesday night where Sheffield United, big team, I think obviously our players got up for that by thinking oh, Sheffield United, I don't want to put a, sh- a rubbish performance in here. I want to show a little bit back something. We started quite well against Sheffield United, as I said, for that first fifteen minutes. You wouldn't have thought we'd end up losing three nil. This game, we started poorly, Ollie, real poorly, and it was a nothing game for the first 10 minutes there wasn't really anyone sort of shading it and and Northampton were, were okay you know I thought they were probably one of the better teams I've seen this season but they're certainly not the sort of team you think you're going to be going for promotion and as soon as they got the ball Northampton they went down the line with it and they put a cross in and every single cross and set piece as we keep talking about just caused us absolutely masses of problems it doesn't matter who we're playing at the back at the moment you know it's moved around all season hasn't it with the defence it's it is yeah. just they just cannot get to grips with it and it's got it's got a to purely be to do a hike like Mickey Miller said you just can out jump someone or out muscle someone you're going to get smashed aren't you so um, there we go and Lutweiler straight away made to, string a string a couple of good saves to, to keep us in it but as usual, it didn't last too long. Um, and on the set, twenty, uh, I think it was about twenty-second minute when they went ahead. It's pretty much average time for us to concede that now at the moment, isn't it? Twenty, twenty-five minutes, let the first goal in, and then the, the, <laughs> then everything starts to fall apart. So, um, yeah, it was uh, it was it was not good. We we did have a couple of chances before that though, um, uh, but they were only half chances. There were some comical things happened though. There, there was one point where before they scored, we had a free kick on the edge of the area in a really good position. You know, you think put it in, try and get it on Waring's head. Deegan took it, played it cross-field to gogo, who completely messed it up, took a touch back towards goal and played it back to Lookweiler. And I just thought that that really sums up the attitude sometimes about how, how defensive we can be. And I know gogo made a mistake and he probably would have wanted to just dink it in himself, but Christ, when you're down the bottom of the league and you, you're begging for goals and stuff, why you're not just putting a ball into the box straight away, I, I do not know, Ollie. It seems daft, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it sounds like we were obviously trying to get the ball forward quickly, um, getting the ball to wearing. Did that work at all? Did we look like... So obviously we know... And we've seen the last few weeks and months since the season started, really, Mickey Mellon fundamentally failed to build a defence. It's pretty, <coughs> pretty pretty pathetic attempt by him, actually, in think about if you think about it in context now, where we are and how many training sessions he had um, to kind of build a, a defence. Our defence is woeful. And the matter of, yeah, every time we have a corner, you th- you dread the worst. Don't you <coughs> think we're definitely going to concede. But going forward, did this kind of more long ball direct approach, uh, did, that, did we offer a threat going forward?
0: I don't even know if it was really that direct to be honest with you I think a lot of it was scrappy defending and just kicking it long for the sake of getting out of the box but um, okay. no we didn't really offer all that much going forward to be honest with you and when we did get forward we, we didn't create all that many chances in, in the first place um, so you know wearing was reasonable again in this game and, and Tony, I know he scored. Tony, I know he scored two penalties, but I thought his overall performance was pretty poor. To be honest with you, I mean, I know he's playing against his old club, and he and he scored two pressure penalties, and you've got to give the man some credit for that because that's his hometown club. That must have been a difficult job. But in his general all round game, was was not very good going forward, and he, he played the whole game, didn't get subbed off. So he's another one of those ones that's just really, really underperforming at the moment. But um, I, I wasn't, I wasn't impressed about his going forward at all, Ollie. And, and if, on, if I'm from honest with you, we were just deep and quite defensive as usual, so there wasn't really all that much going on. But um, they, you know, they tried occasionally, but it, it was basically like that up until the first decent cross came in from a set piece, as usual, uh, and it was one nil, <laughs> header in the box, free header. It's getting a bit boring, saying the same thing. Isn't it, Ollie, I want, yeah. I wanted to concede some kind of different goal and make it a bit more interesting, <laughs> you know. But there we go. Um, and the fans were already instantly quite angry about it, and that, and it, but it didn't manifest itself at that point going one nil down as a real loud anger. It, it manifested itself as sort of a sort of sinking feeling of resignation is how I would describe it, of that we were just gonna lose. No one had any faith, we'd be getting back into it and we'd only gone one nil down. Um and then obviously Northampton took advantage of that. As soon as they went one up they they got back they were pretty much on top of the game from then on and it wasn't that much later longer after at thirty one minutes and so less than ten minutes. Another cross into the box. This time Lootweiler he just stayed in his line and, and did the most ridiculous sort of jump up in the air, but he was nowhere near the ball. And the guy just snuck in around the back post and, and tapped it in. And uh, again, had he just stepped 10 yards, you know, not even that, three steps off his line and jumped high, he would have just caught the ball. I, I can't get my head around it at the moment. He's just retreating further and further back into the back of his net. He's like, he's going to be in it next week.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a, well, it's just um, terrible confidence, isn't it? There's no confidence yeah. in the team at all. And that's why you, almost, you were saying at the start of the pod that um, the new manager's got such a tall order because he's got to obviously assess the quality of the players and he's got a really well he's still got them hasn't he until January Mm, so he's got to try and get the best out he's got to get their confidence up Um, he's got a lot of work to do because not only it's not like we can say we're scoring goals either he's got he's got to work on every single element of a football side
0: so we haven't scored a goal from open play so we didn't score a goal from open play against Northampton we didn't score one against Sheffield United we didn't score one at Walsall we didn't score one at Bradford so when, when was the last time we scored a goal from open play? Four games. Yeah, ago? I, I Five remember,
1: games ago? remember. us talking in, an, in a recent pod saying it was nice and refreshing to score from open play because yeah we scored like yeah because Walsall was quite a few from corners and stuff. But yeah, it's um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hope Paul Her saying listen to this because yeah, yeah he's he's Sorry, got well I'm sure he'll I'm sure he'll um, he's probably at home with a stack of DVDs um, <laughs> going through them going through a bit of a sweat and his wife saying you're right and goes these lads are terrible <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> he's not-
0: yeah, he's not going to watch much Netflix over the next few weeks, is he, with all the DVDs no. he's going to catch up on? It's like, it'd be like the ultimate horror show football, you know, comp- <laughs> compilation, like an hopefully old Danny, Danny, um, Danny Baker DVD from the, like, 90s.
1: <laughs> yeah, hopefully the um, the guy that has, whoever does the analysis, hopefully has maybe cut it down for him so it won't take too long, but, um yeah, um he's got, um yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what he does, but, um mm. yeah, it's, um, we're not in a good shape. So then, obviously, um so what yeah, what else was the highlights in this game? Glenn? Well,
0: so... That, this is probably the more interesting thing about it you know town losing is not really a shock but when we went 2-0 down um, for the first time ever as a Shoesbury Town fan like I've, I've been going since 92 93 not for long after Roland Witchley took over there was loud sustained chanting of Roland time to go and Roland sorted out and it was Roland time to go and it was clear you know there was videos of it and stuff like that Yeah, um, and you know as and and, every, and a lot of people joined in with it and it was quite interesting that suddenly that that and you know whether that's a reflection and we'll come, we're we're going to have a section on this podcast about the chairman at the end so we'll probably leave a little bit of this till later but um, yep. whether that's about the situation we're in without a manager or a sign of other issues at the football club I don't know but it was very clear and yeah. the worse the game got the worse the chanting kind of got as well so um, that was chanted for a bit and then the, the only thing that stopped that and broke that up a little bit was that. Tony sort of dived into the box on uh, 36 minutes, and he didn't dive for once, Ollie. He actually didn't dive. He actually got fouled, and that was a that was a fair old penalty. It was a, it was a stonewall penalty, really. So um, referee gave it us. Actually, the interesting thing was referee was Trevor Kettle, and he's normally terrible against us, isn't he? But he actually was pretty yeah. good. The referee. Um, so he gave us a penalty, and then yeah, let's give Tony some credit. He was in front of the Northampton fans. They were giving him loads of abuse, which I thought was a bit interesting, considering they sold him for a load of money. Um, and yeah, he did well. Stepped up. Good goal. Good pen. The keeper couldn't, he couldn't save it. I think How did he celebrate? Um, he, don't, he sort of looked over at um, Danny Coyne and looked like he was saluting him, but he might have just been putting his hand above his eyes. To, well, there's no sun, so he can't be doing that. But yeah, he sort of saluted over in that direction. He didn't look at the Northampton fans, which is a bit yeah. weird. Um, and the second goal but if you can ask me about his celebration later he didn't celebrate because the final whistle blew and everyone just trudged off okay. pissed off so there we go um, so yeah and then that was it half time they had a couple more chances um, the other thing that happened around that point is we started looking up towards the, the, the sort of um, the director's box where, where Roland was sitting so obviously he'd been taking this abuse off the fans if you will and it looked to me um, I let's, let's say this now I can't say this is a fact or not but there was definitely something going up in the director's box between whether I think it was between their directors and Roland, there was a lot of finger pointing and some histrionics going up there. And, and you know, we'll never probably get the story about what happened there, so that kind of distracted everyone for a bit. And then got to half time, um, they got booed off, uh, and then Chick Bates came on at half time to do the half time draw. And uh, someone asked him the question of, Do you want the shoes, but job? To which he said, I wouldn't really mind it. <laughs> so that got a good laugh out of the fans, it was about as happy as we got on Saturday. So, um yeah, there we go. So that was half-time, Ollie, and uh, I bet you bet you were sort of listening to it on the radio with your head in your hands while you were driving up the hallway.
1: Yeah, I turned it off. I turned off Shropshire Radio <laughs> before I heard <laughs> some crap 90s music. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, then came back um, um, into the into the second... Well, yeah, I just turned it back into the second half, and mm. yeah, it didn't get any better, did it?
0: No. Talking of Radio Shropshire, just walked well, before we go into the second half, I didn't know Adam Green was leaving Radio Shropshire. Apparently, next Saturday is his last... game. Um, his last sort of Saturday, where he's doing the sports show, which is quite well, interesting. because he was
1: because to... he was doing the commentary. Because um, yes. um Mark Elliott was at um, the Telford game, and um yeah, Gri- um, Adam Green was doing the um, the Shrewsbury game, and he was pretty good, to be fair.
0: Yeah, I I, I have to say, and I'll say, yeah, he might he might. Cause not I've always enjoyed Adam Green's work. I think he's. You know, he probably doesn't want to play music on the sports show. I think it's always a sort of Shropshire Radio mandated thing, but he's always seemed very reasonable. He's never been afraid to read out sort of negative comments he you get on a Saturday yep. about the manager or the players and... and been a safe pair of hands for that radio show, really, compared to some of the people you know I've heard on local radio could be doing it. So it's going to be an interesting time—a new manager and a new sort of presenter on the sports show, which is which is important to people because not everyone can make every game, and, and you know a lot of yep. us don't make away games. And so Radio Shropshire and Stu Dunn's excellent commentary is your way into the match, isn't it? So it is. Yeah, yeah. It'll be, in- be interesting to see how that goes, really, and then who takes over because I've not seen anything announced. But you know, yep. that's an aside. Um, i just reading my notes to the game here. I wanted to put special praise for McGiven because he was absolutely awful. And and I don't think for the entirety of the game he won a header, which is scandalous for a centre back. I mean he, he did win one header. There was a ball knocked long right near the end when no one was challenging him, and he he literally headed the ball back to the keeper. And everyone was like, "Yeah, he's won a header finally. It's a miracle. He was so bad." Um, it's not After, good.
1: Yeah. Well, you obviously know. My, I do not need to repeat my thoughts on him, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm glad we got a new manager, Glenn, because um. We are feeling like a bit like a broken record here, aren't we? Yeah, well, about the same things.
0: You can't pretend that the last two games didn't happen, Ollie. In all yeah, matters, you I know? know. As much I as know. it comes across as negative, that you know, there's no one that went to those games will tell you that that was nothing but a low point in the club's you know recent history, and and for it to happen back to back and the, all, all the situations, you know, we, we don't want to label the point too much, but it was bad. I, I would also yeah. say, Ollie, they we actually went to playing four at the back for for a lot of the game. I forgot to mention Lancashire got injured. Yeah,
1: and was that was that did that have a positive impact on the game?
0: Well, we let two goals in with them <laughs> at the back and we let two goals in with four at the back. So it's no worse. So we might as well play four at the back from now on. <laughs> there yeah. we go. Um, but no, um, Lancashire got injured and, and um, yeah, everyone was a bit like, this is the only situation where we'll play four at the back is when we start getting defenders injured. So there we go. Um, and so second half started. They, they sort of had most of the play again and 65 minutes, went 3-0. And re- people really booed when it went 3-0. Um, I didn't. I don't even really need to describe the third goal, Oli, because it was a cross into the box and... <laughs> They've won a free header. <laughs> so there we go. Not not a surprise. Um, deja vu. Deja vu again. I mean, it's happening more than once in games now, which is shambolic, isn't it? But, um, yeah, so 3-0, you know, a lot of booze, a lot more chanting again against the chairman. This time he waved back at the fans, which just seemed to enrage people even more. Like, people got really angry when he did that. And he, he's gone on to explain why today. But, um, yeah, that didn't go down well. And then it went forward. It, uh, sorry, it went... Um, yeah, it went... Sorry, three one. I should have said before. Sorry, um, yeah. and then it went four one, which was a long shot, <laughs> hit the post, and then went off the back of Lukweiler's head, which basically oh, sums up how, how it's have going. To watch that. <laughs> yeah, it sums up how it's going for him. And you know that was a bit unfortunate, but he was pretty bad in the game and in general in trying to do- dominate his area and not helping his defence out. So that wasn't good. When the fourth one went in, that, that was the biggest angry reaction. There, people because it was quite near the end, people started to gather down the front. It was like a little mob of the so all the block nineteen went down the front basically, and sort of. Continual anti-chairman chants, but also sort of really getting at some of the players, like Dodds particularly. He was he 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 got it a bit, but um, he was proper lazy for the fourth goal. Didn't chase back or anything, Um, and yeah, so that was it. And then the last, basically the last action of the game was Junior Brown got into the box. You know, you'll see the highlights one day. Didn't look like a penalty to me. It looked really, really, really soft. But to be fair, Tony stepped up and scored, and that was weird because that was it. The sort of final whistle went then. So people had their massive sort of angry reaction at the end, but it wasn't. It was quite muted because so many people had gone home. And you know, we just scored, so it was like clapping into booing, it was a bit weird, really. But I don't, you know, it didn't really matter because the message would de- definitely got across. Um, and then, so there was, yeah, it was booing a bit more chanting at the chairman, and then at the end, stewards had to wade into the bit just below the sovereign club because some fans were shouting up at some um, the chairman, and he sort of looked like he was sort of giving them some back. So, yeah, that didn't look <laughs> not, not the greatest way to end a game, it looked a little bit unsavoury.
1: No, it was funny because of. Oh, see, so you do get quite a good insight, don't you, on the, um, the Facebook and different sect- on social media? Mm. And um, it was like Shrewsbury was burning or something. <laughs> there was, it was anger. Not good, was it on Saturday? Night. No, there was anger, and it, and it's the first time I've ever seen the fans this angry. It was just pure anger, um, and the fans have kind of like prefer obviously Mickey Mellum's the scapegoat, but now it's the club. Um, and yeah, yeah we'll, we'll talk about the chairman later, but. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like like you put here Open Rebellion, and to be honest, that might you know if you if you know if you're not a Shoesby fan and you picked up this podcast and you just listen to it, but it was I've never seen Shoesby fans that angry. It was no, it's um, completely
0: it was, completely out of character, completely out of character for us as a fan base, isn't it? Which, yeah, which is why when we come on to talk about it, I think it's more than just the situation we we're in. But anyway, we'll come back to that. Yeah. So that was it, we lost, it was it was worse than Tuesday which as I said I couldn't really think would have happened but it was, it, I was really really angry when I left the game. So it's this is really going to be angry. fun then? This is going yeah, to be so very
1: fun then? So who's your top three? <laughs> I,
0: I, I honestly think that there wasn't a, a three players that played well enough to be to, to be warrant in top three. I, again I, I've gone for a go go as number one because he's, on the basis he just ran around a bit I mean that was more than a few of them did so he, he seemed reasonably neat on the ball and didn't make too many mistakes and sort of tried to tried to keep going, I suppose. So I've given it to a go go and then as much as I don't think he played very well, I've given it Tony second because, you know, I i know it's it's difficult to score penalties and and particularly with all of the um emotional things that must have been around it for him to be fair because it had been a bit yeah. of a build up to it for the week. So I'll give him it for that. But I, I generally thought he was pretty poor to be honest with you. And he's he's gotta step his game up if he wants to be considered as this sort of big premiership player that's going to save us he's certainly no Sully Kaikai Kai. certainly no Sully Kaikai Kai at the moment um, so and I'm not going to give a number two I'm not going to give a number three Ollie, because I just I honestly yeah. don't think any of them warranted it so there we go Tom, has my top two <laughs> um,
1: that's not good not good and then no. yeah so uh, yeah do you want to should we have a, a, a break now and then move on to the chairman or do you want to just go straight into it
0: yeah. So yeah. So I think that sums up those last two games. And, and let's say this now, Ollie. Before we move on, I don't want to have to talk about Shrewsbury Town in those terms again. Do you?
1: No. I, I no. Wanted... No. Yeah, it's been I, I hard, hasn't it's... it? We prepare because yeah, obviously at the moment. Us. Yeah, because we've been obviously, since we're doing this podcast, we've obviously been, um, I've been a lot more aware and I've spent, I've, you know, devoted a bit of time to listen to more of the interviews and yeah. kind of just you just think about things in a different perspective, don't you? Because you obviously know you've got to talk about them and you kind of, you get involved a bit more and we're definitely a lot more involved. I'm certainly personally a lot more involved in knowing what's going on in the club than I was before. Yep. And yep. Um, this, this, this now, this week, has got to be a line in the sand and we've got to move forward, if not yeah these things are well i feel like the, the, signing the new manager will paper over some other cracks but the frustration and the anger in the fans ain't going to go it will go away if we win games but it's not going to it's not going to be quite away clean is it it's going to remain even if we're winning mm. games
0: mm. no i agree ollie it's it's um it, it's like i said i don't want to talk like this i want to i want to be talking about how look why there was you know man of the match and, and made saves i, I if I we've just gone through both those games there, but you know we've only really mentioned sort of four or five different players. You know, there's a lot of players in this team in in those two games. Brown, Riley, Grimmer. You know, Deegan that we haven't mentioned really, and and none of them are playing well. None of them are playing. You know, Brown and Riley particularly. I, I thought they were pretty good at the start of the season. They were they were you know doing well enough, weren't they? They've gone backwards yep. so fast. They've gone and and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it now. I'm gonna chalk it down now and just leave it at this. That I think. Let's give them benefit of the doubt for the moment, right? And say it's confidence, it's the position we're in, it's the struggle that we're doing that is that is negating how good those players are. But I, I can't really give it more than another ten games of them playing this badly before I start to think this is this is absolutely dire. And we've already thought that about, about a few players, like McGiven, I'm pretty much thinking he's a bit of a write-off, and maybe about a few other players. But let's just let's just hope Paul Hurst gives us something to hang this podcast's positivity around because you can't pretend it isn't you can't pretend it isn't better than it it is and, and I'm, yeah. I'm not willing to do that because I don't think this podcast is a fair reflection of what's going on really so let us we've had our positivity when we talked about the new manager and, and I think that's going to be good but um, we'll just go on to this last thing now which would also be a bit of a tricky conversation which is talking about the chairman because <laughs> there we go it always is but I think it's also having what happened this week worth talking about it and, and a fairly appropriate yeah. time to do it so we'll move on to that now Ollie that will take Trevor Chalice and Shrewsbury back into the football league Scenes of absolute jubilation. So, we're not going to have any Salop news this week because obviously there hasn't really been any Salop news other than massive news. And we've obviously covered the manager changes and Danny Coyne going back to his job potentially and and the assistant manager coming in. So, nothing else has really been happening off the pitch. The lone players are still doing pretty well from what I can make out. I can't pronounce his name. Ian Whitfield's pointing out to me I can't pronounce Kameen Anderson's name either. So, there we go. (laughs) But he's scoring for fun still at Ailes Owen. So, at least he's having a good season. We all say that. But, um, yeah, we need to talk about the chairman, Ollie a little bit, and and what happened on Saturday. I think because it was, it was, what's the word, sort of game changing, you know, a, a watershed moment, if you will, to, to to have that happen to the chairman. Now, this is a man. If we go right back to start, who saved the football club, you know, saved us from going bust, put money in to keep us afloat for several years, then masterminded a move to a new ground, which, you know. We've got comments on about whether it is the be-all and end-all of what we would have wanted, but, you know, he did get us there. He put money in the bank. We've got millions of pounds now that we never had before from the land deal. So none of us, as Town fans, will ever take the achievements of Roland Witchley as a chairman away from him in in that respect, right?
1: And and, and net position as well. Our net position in the league as well is higher. So our average position has been higher since we've gone out, come out, since we've got the ground and all that stuff. So, yeah, there's definitely, from a... Obviously, I've, I've never. I've been at one supporters' parliament meeting where he spoke. Yeah. Um, he seemed like a, a pretty decent guy from that ten-minute conversation we saw with him before we had the. Before he, he agreed to give us the vote on the on the new badge. Yeah. But yeah, so also yeah, they're the positives. We he um, he's. And- He's put, put, put the club forward, and we're in League One now. And we've got and we're, we're debt free, so we're not Swindon. You know, the Berry were in trouble last week with the tax man, um, mm. so we're not in that. So we're we're proud of the way the club's been run in that sense. However, um, there are things. You know, it's not a perfect. The club isn't perfect, is it? You know, the communication no. has often been criticised. Um, he doesn't come out very often and make any kind of statements and stuff, which I think sometimes would probably help just for people yep. to understand what's going on. Um, and I said in the last pod, and I'm I'm more than happy to keep repeating that message, I don't think his recruitment of managers has always been the best. Um, But, yeah, let's hope that um, Paul Hurst um, with Brian Caldwell and James' influence is a good good choice. Yeah, But I guess we need to talk about this, don't we? Because, yeah, as you were saying in the Northampton game, um, it all kicked off. And if we didn't talk about this now, then we'd be a bit hypocritical, because this podcast is all about Shrewsbury, and this is something that everyone's talking about. So... As I say, I was watching, keeping an eye on Facebook um, on the weekend and stuff, and everyone was talking about this. This was the hot topic. No one mentioned the game. People forgot about the game. I didn't see anyone chatting about the game. People were talking about the chairman.
0: Yeah. And and that's why I said it was a watch moment. And we also should talk about it because because of the chanting and the fact that, you know, of of the... Because a lot of people are left by now. So let's say there were maybe 2,500 Shoebby fans left in the stadium when, when it got really loud. You know... I would be happy enough to say more than fifty percent, way more than fifty percent, people were chanting it, and a lot of people were chanting it angrily and directly. So where was and then the, with, where with where was the
1: chanting then? So that's so interesting. It, st- it was starting
0: block nineteen, which is weird because yeah. he, he thanked block nineteen today in his little message to the fans, which we'll talk okay. about in a minute. But it started in block nineteen. You know, it wasn't like you know. I, I think the chairman has a view that there are some people in the fan base who who I would say are working incredibly hard. On different projects for the sports parliament, for example, or other fans that are maybe critical on social media or nothing to do the sports parliament, right? And I, I seem to think the chairman might have a misunderstanding that that's where the the, the chanting started. Like like one of us from the sports parliament, that might be someone that's not a flavour of the month or someone off Facebook is sitting in block 19 starting it. That's not true. You know, no. block 19. No as one a whole. chants. <laughs> no one else no. chants. No one else can start. Block 19 as a whole. Just in in sort of just it's just sort of started. It obviously come from one person or two people maybe, but you know. It started and it and it gathered momentum and, and a lot of people joined in even as far as box thirteen, fourteen, fifteen down I the road, yeah. some of the south stand.
1: That was and, my question so, to you then. So obviously we sit in block seventeen, obviously nineteen, and then to a lesser extent eighteen are quite vocal. But you said yeah. that, and if, if normally if we're doing well and the meadow does get loud, normally it always starts in nineteen and then it goes away across, doesn't it, over the yeah. long down the west stand. So you're saying yeah. it kind of carried on all the way down.
0: It did, it did, and most most people around me were, were chanting. Roland Time To Go. And it wasn't fans chanting, Roland sort it out. There was that chant as well. There was two distinct chants. And the Roland Time To Go one was the one that was chanted with more vitriol, I think, and, and, and sort of... it, pure, Very, very much anger. Now, the question comes from what drives the anger, I guess. And and we've just talked about the fact that there is a lot to thank the channel for and a lot to be potentially critical about, particularly when looking at, into the future. Now, where, where does that anger come from? Now, I, you can't pretend that the whole situation didn't develop as a result of the fact that fans were just totally knocked off about not having a manager. But it would be misguided and an untrue representation of a lot of fans in the fan base to think that chanting didn't also develop from further along the stands because of people's concerns and problems with the man running the football club. Now, as you say, you've looked at social media this week and I've talked to fans, and there are a variety of things that people aren't particularly complimentary about the chairman about. Some of them you've mentioned. You know, for me... I can't believe, as 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 a man that's had time to develop a football club with a strong board, with investors from around the town, not necessarily selling the football club. I, I wouldn't even say that I want Roland to go because I want him to sell the football club. No. I just want him to loosen loo- loosen the chains a little bit and allow some of the people that used to work, used to invest with the football club that. Are rumoured to have fallen out. I'm not going to say it's a fact because I don't know. But why were people who are from the town, who are wealthy, who are huge town fans, now not involved with huge town football club? I'd, I'd like Roland Witchley to answer that question. Now he could come back out and say they're just not interested anymore. They didn't want to know. Fine. I don't. Well, they had different
1: really. views of him or something like. Yeah, they might not agree. Yeah. They might get the club into debt or something, and he doesn't want to do but, that.
0: Yeah, because the rumour is that they fell out. You know, and, that, and that's the rumour that always goes around. But we can't re- be sure about that. But for me, yeah. I, I do wish that Roland Witchley would instead of. You know, I would like him to talk to the fans more. I would like him to maybe engage more with the Sports Parliament, right? But that is secondary to the fact I would like him to go out and get other people within our town and build a very strong community club with investors from other businesses. Now, it might be impossible. Who am I to tell? I don't run a football club. I do work in business, though. You know, it's not like me and you are are two people that are, you know, not... Got jobs where we understand how business works, and and there are lots of people in our fan base that are like that. So it, that's that's what I want. I, I don't necessarily want him to walk out the door, and I want I want him to retain his legacy of of what he brought this football club because we wouldn't have a lot of the stuff we've got now without him. But f- for me personally, and and I think from, for maybe for other people as well, but other people have separate issues to do with communication and other things. I th- there's a lot isn't there with the chairman of a football club and you, you can't expect not to get criticism as chairman of a football club and if anything I would say to Roland Witchley that you've had it really easy and and the reaction to some of the people being critical to him like we talked about that some people were throwing out the Sovereign Club for, for reasons that maybe they were swearing but we don't know but they were trying to express their opinion to him and for the way that he sort of waved to the fans which he's tried to say con- consequently was just acknowledging the fans but came across as quite arrogant, maybe that's too strong um, yeah. And also, he's done an interview today where he could have just said nothing about it. He could have said, "So yeah, so I haven't guy.
1: seen this interview, Glenn. Like, so, so what what was said in it then? So,
0: so it was a generally good interview. Uh, to be fair to Renan Witchley. when he comes to talk to, to Ian Whitfield or the press who were over there, he he spoke, you know, quite eloquently about the football club, about how he was expecting players to be better, about Paul Hurst and the reasons it's taken so long. I don't necessarily agree with that. He did get, he did say it's only been two days, two weeks, and two, two two weeks, two days since Man and went, but it's been longer than that. But he tried to make out like that was quick, <laughs> which yeah, I'm not sure I not... agree with. So, no. so th- there's obviously holes to pull apart with anyone's interview for your own agenda, if you particularly got one. But yeah. f- but most of it was well-spoken and, and you know, would, would make you be positive about the future. But he couldn't let it go. He had to have a little pop about the fans. And he, I think, I'm trying to remember the phrase used now. Um, I'd have to look on Twitter. He said it was... Um,
1: Deserters, was it? Or something like that? I saw oh,
0: one. yeah. A, a small group of dissenters. Which is an interesting phrase, considering that there was a much more than a small group of dissenters chanting on Saturday. And, and that's where my, my, my question comes as to, does he think that the, the stuff on Saturday was being led by a small group of people that just want him out for their own agenda reasons? Because that's not true. That's whitewashing something that happened that it fits your own agenda for Roland Wichley. That, that isn't what happened. You had your fan base revolt at you because they were unhappy about the way you are running the football club. If you can't acknowledge that, fine but don't come back at the fans and cause a little bit more trouble I don't, no. I know it's probably just one phrase from a long interview that's fine but he didn't necessarily need to say it for us to be able to talk about it for other fans now to be talking on social media in well, and at pubs yeah people people were talking about what's in the, the pub what's the point of yeah and he wants a fresh start a new manager what's the point of continuing that cycle of them and us it doesn't make any sense
1: or acknowledge it as well acknowledge that there's frustration in the fans but now you've got the new man please let's get together as a club you know we all love Shrewsbury town which we all do and I think kind of going back to you said before about, you know, um what does the fans want? The fans want a successful club which is gonna which is, has a long term future. And going back to kind of the side of the board, I don't a I I don't understand why we have such a small board. Why yeah. not have three, five, six guys on the a board with, with Brian the CEO who's to be fair done seems like a pretty good chap. He seems yeah, to know I what like he's Ryan. doing. Um, why not have more people? But yeah, it's. Um, I, I was disappointed when I saw that comment. I'm, I w- I'll watch the interview when I get some internet. Um, but it just seemed, yeah, it seemed a bit of a mistake um, to not just to book forward now. Mm.
0: It would have been nice just to leave it, wouldn't it? And then it's yeah. all move on on the same foot. But it, it just, it doesn't get rid of the... the some, Roland Wichley's never going to convince some fans now. You know what I mean? It's the same way as yeah. a manager can never convince some fans. Once you lose someone, for whatever reason it might be, it might be personal, it might just be a long period of time where you, you've thought something about something and they've never seen any change. That's fine. You, you can never win some people back round, and that's just the way of life. I work on Sports Parliament. Right? I want the football club and Roland Wichley to work closer. We try really hard through the chief executives, and, and that kind of works to to a degree. But you still don't feel like... It, it' it's 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 two two sided isn't it you can you can't say Ronan whichley's content to let his chief executives deal with the fan communication side of things and that's fine you could say okay fair enough we could also say that it'd be nice to hear a little bit more from him and feel a little bit more appreciated because the sports parliament this summer painted the stadium right for the, for the chairman and I played a big part of that I really spent a lot of time painting the stadium and any other business if I did a piece of work for free to help someone. I would have expected someone at the very top to maybe have passed on an email of thanks, or come down and, down and consi- say thank you because isn't he's there all the time? Exactly. Or consider he's there. I've just come down to say each other. Now he didn't, and I, and I don't know why that is. And 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 Brian, to be fair to him, did did pass on his thanks for the work that we've done. But just little things like that, like not attending the supporters' parliament, or the supporters' end of season awards. Obviously, that's nothing to do with me, the supporters' end of awards. The ones run by the Super Blues and um, the Shrews, the other the um, OSC. He didn't go to that again. I just—it's a misstep well, for me. But
1: Saul made a really interesting comment on Facebook um, on the weekend, and it was—I've always been—I I'm am I'm, I'm quite critical of a lot of the sports groups because, as a fan who's not in those cliques. I don't see anything. I hear well, the good work they do. You know, I, yeah. I see the results of it, so I can't. am not slagging them off for that at all. You know, fantastic. No, 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 you know, no, the, the scoreboard and the walkway and all that kind of stuff is great. But I've never ever seen them try and actively recruit or encourage people to join. But mm-hmm. then also, someone made a fantastic comment, and I was a bit, was a bit actually a bit unfair on these guys. But maybe the reason there is so many supporters groups is because there is the club, so the club isn't interested in bringing them all together.
0: No, it's not. I, I would yeah. say that and from my experience, Ollie,
1: the, it's the, not. There was the co- the coaches as well, wasn't there? There was that issue, wasn't there, last year when there was the club mm. started doing coaches as well. So, yeah, it does seem a bit bizarre. I,
0: I It's very, it's very difficult to talk about this because I yeah. talk from a, a viewpoint of things I'm involved in and, and you have to be careful. But, yeah. you know, I, I would not say a bad word in terms of working as a relationship with trying to work with Brian, for example, and Matt and Martin and other CEOs we've had. they tried to do the best under the circumstances, but they always run up against similar problems and to me it always seems like that problem comes where there was an idea or a, or a way of doing something or something the fans would really like that yeah. we find difficult and I, and I, you know that became apparent to me with the badge it was very clear that the fans wanted the badge back but it was made more difficult than it needed to be by the chairman eventually we got over those hurdles by by jumping through five or six different hoops to to get us through that point and i just think that if he actively engaged a little bit more then we might make more progress quicker because he has an active fan base willing to do God knows what to help this football club and the fan base yeah. move forward. And, and it's not just about the sports one on this. I won't talk about that anymore. But I'm just talking about us as a fan base in general. If, the fa- if he wants the fans to come in and make it like it was at the Gay Meadow, a more community club, that's fine. If he wants to just have it as the sovereign club and he sits above us all, doesn't engage other than the chief executive, that's fine. But he can't be surprised when you get a reaction like you got on Saturday. Because mm-hmm. if you keep saying it's them and us for 10 years, it becomes them and us. And, and when that, when that gets to a point where people have had enough you're obviously going to have conflict. So I'm, I wasn't really surprised by what happened on Saturday. And as I say, I, I didn't instigate it. I wasn't a part of it. I, I joined in with the chanting because I th- thought it was important to get a message across because I felt like, you know, I want to see change. I want to see this club grow and I feel like we've stagnated. And and since 2007, I don't think the stadium has been improved really. Not, not in the ways that we want as a fan base. There are things about the ground that could be improved and unfortunately because of the fact that this chairman this this manager thing's gone on so long and got so, so many people annoyed it's got people talking about their their grumps and their grinds and the bad form has got people talking about their grumps and so it's all it's all just a culmination of these things that have come at once and unfortunately it's come right out the football club and they've they've had to deal with it head on and and you know it's just one comment from the chairman but it just leaves a little bit of a sour taste so yeah. you know if if he ever hears this i i appreciate everything he's done and i would like for him to openly engage with some element of the fan base to talk about what the plan is for the next five years. Because I don't want us to be a yo-yo club. It drives fans away more than it brings them back. You know, a good promotion season br- brings back less fans than you lose from having watched two seasons of absolute guff in League One, doesn't it? You know, yeah, it that's does, why the yeah. fans are going down after week after week. So unless we can have that realistic chat and, and open fan-based sort of discussion... um. I can't really see the, the wounds being healed. They may well go away for a while, but they're always going to be there now. So yeah, they yeah, are, it's, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how it goes, you know, whether the, the sorts of things that happen on Saturday continue to happen if the form stays bad or, you know, people quiet and dang, we've got a new manager now. What do you think will happen, Ollie? Um,
1: yeah, I think, uh, I think obviously a new manager kind of creates a new chapter. Um I think getting positive results will divert people's attention back onto the football um, and not other yeah. things around the club. I think if, I think, Just to kind of put into context, obviously we are pleased, we do have a good chairman, you know, we've got a chairman that runs the club in a positive way. I think just the communication part can be massively improved, and uh, as you said, that will only benefit the club and everyone basically. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that I think that's probably the best place to leave that. But um, yeah, it hopefully, I, hopefully I, I it will improve. And yeah, yeah, we won't be talking about this again. Um, a bit no. more engagement would be fantastic, I think. And um, if we could get a real supporters' parliament like they have at Wolves and some other clubs, I think that would be beneficial for everyone.
0: Yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, I, I think you're right, Oli. I think it's it's you know we, it's it's tricky with with our chairman because. Uh, we, you know like me in the fan base there are lots of rumours about things that happened and things yeah. that offers them, you know and we, we don't know and I'm not willing to say on the podcast that such and such offered to buy the club or definitely someone's ready to stand in and help us you know come onto the board right because I don't know that I don't know it I get told that by people who think they know they might not know right so until something's a firm fact I don't really think it's fair to say that these things could happen but I do think it's it's fair to say that regardless of that there are rumours out there that don't really help Ronan Witchley and the lack of communication that like you just described about plans, the future, what he would like to do with the board, how he might like to expand it, gives some, give a real good detailed interview about what he envisions Shrewsbury Town looking like in 2020. That would put a lot of that to bed, you know. It it really would help, I think. And so maybe he might he probably won't like what we've talked about because the man doesn't like taking criticism, quite obviously, from what happened on Saturday. But I genuinely think that is a salient piece of advice from some people in his fan base, and if he could just give us. Another good idea of what we're trying to achieve. Now we've got a new manager. Now Mickey's Manon's gone, so that plan's gone by the wayside. We just need to also be sure that there is a plan. And it's not about a manager, it's about a football club as a whole. So I think I will leave it there, Ollie, because that's what I'd like to see personally. Yeah.
1: Yeah. no worries. So then looking ahead then. So let's do the yeah, s go on to the prediction.
0: Yeah, so obviously last week Ollie we both got it wrong again. Yeah. <laughs> um, Northampton game, I went for a two two, which which was not as positive as your winning two 0 Ollie. What the hell were you thinking, man? Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, got uh, it wrong. We both got Schubert to score two goals. <laughs> we just didn't realise it would be more for uh, the other team. So we're going to have to go for South End away this week, try and redeem ourselves. And obviously it's the new manager's first job um, away at End and trying to get us three points. So do you think he's going to turn it around straight away, Ollie, Or do you think it's going to be a bit of a struggle? I know Southend are not in particularly fine form at the moment.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go for a one-all draw.
0: Ooh, one-all draw, okay. I think, sadly... Um, I just don't know, we don't really seem to do that well at South End do we? I keep saying that about everyone we play at the moment. but we never Yeah, do. well, we're bottom of the league, so... <laughs> exactly, we are bottom of the league. So I think I will probably go on form and say the likelihood is that we lose 1-0. But, I, you know, yeah. I would say that I'd like to think that fans will come away from that game and say... You know, well, we, we put in a better performance, do you know what I mean? And, and actually, matched that end. And, and Paul Hurst gave us a little bit of something to be positive about. But in reality, it's not until we get to the FA Cup game on the 5th of November where we're going to sort of see our first home game and more of the fans are going to get to see what Paul Hurst is about, I suppose. So, yeah, yeah that Barnet, the Barnet, we didn't we really talk about the FA Cup draw, did we? What did you make of that? It was a bit of a mare draw, wasn't it? Yeah, wasn't it? well, he got
1: a bottom league two side. So at least that's <laughs> a positive. And obviously, Paul Hurst yeah. probably know quite a lot about You don't know if he's actually played Grims, oh, sorry, I don't know if when he was managing Grims, we really played Barnet. But yeah, I think it's it's a it's a it's a it's a good as draw we can get, but because um, it's funny actually being up here in Northumberland, I remember going to Blythe away, so playing a yeah, lower I'm league team doesn't really help. So yeah, let's be positive. Let's hope it's a good opportunity for the team to get a win and um, push on.
0: Yeah. yeah, it'd be a nice that, if we do end up losing at South End it'd be a nice game for him to have as his first game and a first win. You know, the FA yeah. Cup. It might, there'll probably be a few more in for that game, and that that really I, I can really see that being a, a, mo- uh, a what's the word a, a sort of the start of that positivity coming back and then we've yeah. obviously got another home game in the league after that if we don't count the FL trophy. So he gets two home games back to back, which are both winnable. Oxford's a league game. So yeah, there's there's something to look forward to in terms of the games, but um South end's a tricky first game, isn't it, for a yeah, game? No, it's be tricky. No one would want that. Because they're going to stay down the night before as well, so it's sort of not the sort of usual thing. So yeah. there we go, Ollie. So we'll see if we get that right. Um one thing we did want to say is if anyone's listening and they are going to South End and you want to help us by providing an update on that game. Unfortunately Ollie's still away on holiday and I'm not uh, not available to so go to South End this weekend so we'll be looking for um, anyone's sort of content or anything like that so please get in touch this week if you want to sort of be the South cast reporter that was there um, and then obviously we'll both be at the Barnet game I'd imagine Ollie and yeah I'll be at all the games after that so yeah it should be should be an interesting run now under Hursty and see how we go really yeah to, to call him Hurstie, Ollie Hurstie,
1: yeah <laughs> or um, yeah um, I'm looking forward to I'm going to catch up on um, all this what's been going on um, with the internet and where I'm staying is broken so I'm looking forward to catching up on the interviews and um, yeah. yeah be interesting to see what this new manager is going to be like I'm looking forward to it? Let's hopefully we can get some wins and Let's just dream. Wouldn't it be a nice if we can start going to home games, expecting us to at least get a win. So that would be nice. That's my-
0: it, Ollie, I, I keep we've said this for several weeks in a row now, but it, literally that Barnet game can't be worse than Northampton. It no. can't be because people will start the game without the negativity at the, at the Northampton game. People were negative at the start, yep. so um, it can't be worse than Northampton. So it's only going to be up from now on, Ollie. To the playoffs. There's not <laughs> three points to play for.
1: Exactly. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, there we go. Anyway. Cool. We'll see, thanks for listening,
0: guys, and yep, apologies for guys. another long podcast. Good, but um, yeah, let's talk, a lot to talk about. about this week again. But hopefully, things will settle back down into more manageable chunks again now. So, um, we shall see you next weekend for the next episode.
1: Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys.